Well, 2020 sure has been quite the year, am I right? So much has been going on this year, and it is taking its toll on all of us, adults and kids alike, from all different walks of life all over the world. We've talked quite a bit on this podcast, and will continue to, about how COVID-19 is impacting Girl Scout programming everywhere. Now, some areas might be able to return to safe in-person programming much sooner than others. So continuing the conversation around socially distant and virtual options for girls to stay engaged and connected is still really important. But that's far from the only important thing that we have going on right now. In all 50 states and several countries outside of the U.S., we have been witnessing another a continuation of the civil rights movement initiated by protests of police brutality and the murder of George Floyd. I've seen an image going around mentioning a specific day in June on which protests took place in over 50 states and 18 countries around the world, but a little research helped me discover that in the past couple of weeks, protests have taken place in over 50 different countries around the world, to protest police brutality and systemic racism. Now, many of you listening are probably sick of reading about this topic or talking about this topic or seeing this topic on social media. And I urge you to listen to this podcast episode anyway and to consider how you can appropriately, effectively, and safely combat racism with your family and your troop, even if you are sick to death of this topic. Let me start by saying that this is not going to be a podcast about George Floyd or any other specifically named person. Although I think these specific incidents are important to talk about, and these victims of murder deserve recognition and speaking their names does matter, that's also not the purpose of this podcast episode. There are so many other podcasts you can listen to that are specifically about politics, current events, and human rights hosted by the Black community and amplifying Black voices and other voices of color. I can link to additional resources in the show notes if you do want to spend more time learning about this specifically and engaging with that actual content. However, this podcast is about effectively serving girls and helping them to grow their courage, confidence, and character to make the world a better place. It is not possible to effectively serve girls as volunteers in this role with this specific outcome in mind and not talk about racism and how to be a role model and resource for your girls as they learn to be anti-racist. Let me be clear. Girl Scouts as a national organization has made public statements in support of black rights, representation, equity, and inclusion Since 1912, it has been a priority, albeit a learning experience, of our organization to always be a safe place for every girl, regardless of differences in race, ability, religion, social class, and so on and so forth. So this is not up for debate. As volunteers of this organization, it is our responsibility, which we agreed to when stepping into this role, to uphold these cornerstones and values of Girl Scout culture. And right now, this is a priority. I'm not here to educate you on the Black Lives Matter movement. 
It is your responsibility to do that work on your own, wherever you may be in that process. And since I know the majority of my audience is white, which I am also, I want to also be clear that although we need to be amplifying Black voices, listening, and learning, this is not a time to step back and depend on others to take the lead. As Girl Scouts, we are girl champions. We are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. We have agreed to be mentors and take on leadership roles to lead others with regard to supporting and guiding the next generation. So engaging with this content is not optional. It is a requirement of the position. With all that being said, there is a lot of emotionally charged energy in this revolution. And coupled with anger, frustration, and violence, that is not a safe space for kids. So as volunteers, it can definitely be a challenge to find ways to help kids cope with what they may be feeling, hearing, learning, and experiencing with regard to racism. I want to also be clear that although I acknowledge that anger, frustration, and violence creates an environment and atmosphere that is not safe for kids, our kids are growing up in this environment anyway, right now. Some kids are part of the communities who are being targeted, both violently as well as through microaggressions and ingrained social stigmas. And other kids are part of the communities which uphold these ideas. We are all affected and we can't be afraid to talk about it. So while I'm not encouraging you to take your troops to protests, I am asking you to take action with your troop against racism. And not just right now because of this current movement and the protests occurring all over the world, but forever and always. I want to start with some pushback or common concerns that might already be floating to mind for you. The first thing that some of you might be thinking or feeling is, I'm against the rioting and looting, so I can't show support for this movement. I am not here to convince you that the majority of protesters aren't even rioting and looting. I'm not here to advocate for or against violent versus peaceful protests, and so on and so forth. That content and those debates can take place in so many other online and social spaces. I'm not asking you to discuss these protests with your girls if you feel uncomfortable doing so, and I'm especially not asking you to discuss it with them if you're against them, because I actually think that's damaging and harmful to the progress of helping build and develop the world we want our kids to grow up in. So if you don't want to support these current protests, that's fine. Don't discuss them with the girls. I am asking you to take action in everyday ways that will help girls develop anti-racist attitudes and to help them understand concepts of racism, equality, equity, diversity, and representation beyond just tolerance. We do not just tolerate each other in Girl Scouts. We welcome and include one another. So if your knee-jerk reaction is that these protests and the violence occurring in the streets are not appropriate topics of conversation for girls, then don't turn off this podcast and unsubscribe just yet. Keep listening because what I actually do want you to do with your girls is not political. Number two. I believe these protests are unfounded, that the murder of George Floyd or insert any other name of a polarized victim here can be rationalized or even understandable, 
And in general, I believe that Blacks are as responsible, if not more responsible, than whites for the way they feel they're treated in society and any inequality that they think they might be experiencing. Okay, if this is how you're feeling right now, I'm not just going to make a blanket statement and say quit. (laughs) Because I do believe Girl Scouts is for everyone and there should be room for everyone in Girl Scouts. But with that being said, Girl Scouts must be a safe space for all girls and all volunteers and all families. And if you aren't willing to take necessary steps to ensure that all girls and their families would be welcome and truly included in your troop, then you have work to do. I'm more than willing to have additional conversations with you and to offer support and additional resources that I personally use to continue to do my own work for myself. But if you aren't willing to do the work to create a welcome, inclusive, and safe atmosphere for all girls, then you are not suited to work with kids in any capacity, including as a Girl Scout volunteer, period. I urge you to listen to the rest of my messaging in this episode and in any future episodes because, again, I'm not actually asking you to do anything political. I am a fierce and unabashed ally for all girls, and I will defend them and their right to be included until my last breath. If you agree that all girls deserve safety, inclusion, and the right to a future of their own determination and dreams, then we agree. I'm simply trying to help provide more resources to help you support girls. If you truly believe certain girls, specifically white girls, deserve more of your time and attention than any other girls, and you're not open to learning about how or why you might support all girls, then there are other organizations that may be better suited for you. Number three, these are conversations that belong at home and it should be up to the girls' parents and families to decide how they wanna address these issues. I understand this feeling and pushback, I really do. It is so much easier on us if the only work we do with girls is comfortable and safe, but, G-I-R-L, which is the Girl Scout brand, stands for go-getter, innovator, risk-taker, and leader. It is literally spelled out for us. We cannot truly help girls develop their confidence, character, and courage by avoiding the hard stuff. We cannot truly be allies and defenders and mentors for girls if we only want to discuss and serve them regarding the easy things. It is the literal definition of our role as leaders to help girls develop the confidence and the courage to make the world a better place by believing we can do hard things, we can have hard discussions, we can challenge ourselves and push ourselves past our boundaries and out of our comfort zones and explore ideas that make us better people. This is exactly what Girl Scouts, what makes Girl Scouts so great and so powerfully impactful. And although the branding of GIRL is relatively new, The principles behind it have been part of Girl Scouting throughout all of the organization's history, since 1912. That is 108 years and counting. This is exactly the spirit and energy that pushes girls to achieve their high awards, to get better grades in school, to be more likely to go to college and more likely to get advanced degrees than their non-Girl Scout peers, to be more likely to vote, to be more likely to make more money in their lifetimes, and to be better suited for any career than they can dream of than their non-Girl Scout peers. Is this a challenge for many of us as leaders, parents, teachers, as kids, as mentors and role models, as friends, sisters, daughters, neighbors? Yes, 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 
But we're Girl Scouts. We can do hard things. We can rise to challenges. And this is a challenge that we must rise to for the sake of the girls. We need to help them break down barriers, end systemic violence, and learn to be better citizens of the world. That's what this episode is what we're, is really about. That's what we're doing here. Okay, but what if, number four, I know some of the families in my troop have been very outspoken on social media in such a way that would suggest that if I start bringing up these topics and working with their girls, they're going to be offended and they might pull their girl from the program. Okay, listen, I get that. I don't want to alienate families that I've spent years working to build a trusting relationship with. I don't want to push them away or be judged. I don't want to lose girls from the program because I pushed them into a space that parents of girls in my troop didn't agree with. I take retention super seriously and personally, and whenever there's turnover in my troop, it breaks my heart. I am emotionally invested in every single girl and their family when they become part of my troop. My troop is a community. It's a family of its own, and it matters to me to maintain those relationships. So what I share with you on this podcast and the things that I suggest to you about steps that you can take with your troop and ways to incorporate dialogue, ideas, and to create a general culture and environment in your troop is all around the idea of creating a positive atmosphere that is welcoming and inclusive to all girls to be a role model to them so that they can create similarly positive and anti-racist environments in their own lives outside of Girl Scouts and beyond it as adults. And I'm going to let them take the lead when it comes to forming their own ideologies and political opinions. Girls are going to be exposed to so many ideas and thought processes and worldviews and perspectives beyond just their families. They're learning from their friends, from the media they consume, from news coverage they might see, to books they read, to movies and television shows they watch, social media they engage with, even at a very young age these days, but especially as teenagers. They're learning from their teachers and their friends' parents and even total strangers they see or interact with at the grocery store. All of their life experiences come together to create their perspectives and their worldviews, and all of this will continue to contribute to their character. Since helping them develop their character in a positive and productive way is the literal mission statement of Girl Scouts, what they learn and hear and experience at Girl Scouts is going to be influential. It is our responsibility as adult volunteers to cultivate a culture that is positive and influential. So what we're talking about today and in previous episodes and in the future for however long this podcast is able to keep going is how to effectively create and cultivate an environment for girls that is welcoming, inclusive, and blatantly anti-racist. Not talking about things that are, well, definitely a big deal and very much going on all over the world. (laughs) That sends a message in itself. Avoiding these topics, especially when girl-led, and then an adult shuts them down and removes that conversation from the space of Girl Scouts, sends exactly the opposite message to girls. Avoiding topics around racism, human rights violations, and so on, sends the message that these topics are taboo, dangerous, and harmful. The reality is that if we've learned anything from these protests, and goodness, I hope we have, The reality is that we need to be talking about these things, acknowledging these things, and utilizing that awareness to stop these things. Okay, objection number five. My girls are colorblind. They don't see color. The next generation is so much more tolerant and open-minded than the generations before them. If we talk about it or address it, isn't that actually going to create a hostile environment by teaching girls to see color? 
Honestly, your girls see color. We all do. It's frankly a system, a symptom of system, systemic racism to claim that we don't see it or that color doesn't influence our lives and our perceptions. Since no one wants to be labeled as a racist, because that would obviously make us bad people, right? Claiming we don't see color sounds like a safe way to make it clear that we are in no way racist. But the reality is that people need and deserve to be seen completely, especially for elements of their identity that form their life experiences. There are thousands of studies, both throughout history, but also currently, that demonstrate that regardless of how much of an effort we make to, quote unquote, not make assumptions or judgments, that assuming and making judgments is actually how humans navigate the world. And to pretend basic physical attributes aren't part of that is just false. Maybe your girls are in an environment that is super diverse, and so maybe you're thinking they're already super inclusive and have tons of diverse friendships and relationships, so they don't see racism because they don't experience it. We're already equal in my troop and in my community, and you know what? I really hope that is true for you. I hope that's how your girls see the world. But I would challenge you as an adult to be constantly vigilant and aware of your own biases your own experiences, and your own understanding of the world and of race relations, and to ensure that you are personally taking action consistently and continuously to cultivate an environment in your troop that is mindful of inclusivity. I promise I'm going to talk more about what you can actually do here in a second. (laughs) Additionally, girls aren't going to be ignorant of the fact that these issues are going on elsewhere. So even if they're in a utopian community where there isn't a problem for them directly, They need to understand and feel confident about that understanding of why these protests are going on in other communities. Okay, or maybe your girls are in a very homogenous environment, meaning there's little to no diversity in your area and troop, and your girls therefore don't need to have these discussions because their environment is already naturally a safe and inclusive one for girls who look like them. But I would challenge you to two parts. Part A. Why is it that your community or troop is homogenous and is not diverse? Where are the people that don't look like you living? Are they participating in Girl Scouts? And if so, where? Why is it separate from where you live? And what determines which girls participate in your troop? Consider these questions and also consider that the answers to those questions affect your girls and their understanding and perspective of the world around them and their role in that world. Part B. How can you help girls understand what is going on in other communities? If they aren't personally experiencing diversity now, what will happen if they leave your current community or if your current community evolves and changes and they're presented with a situation where they do experience diversity? What will their comfort level be? What judgments or assumptions might they make when that day does come and why? Based on what? Again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, girls are influenced by more than just the people they interact with face to face every day. They're consuming social media, news content, books, movies, music, and television shows that all depict race and diversity stereotypes and inclusivity or lack thereof, and so on and so forth. They know people of other races exist, whether they interact with them in their daily lives or not. So what judgments, assumptions, stereotypes, and biases are they developing if you are not taking an active role in helping cultivate anti-racism in their lives? Number six, and this is the last pushback that I'm going to touch on before I get into some actual things you can start doing now. My girls are too young for this and there's no good way to talk about it at their level in a way they will understand. Humans literally function by categorizing. 
very early childhood education has us learn to categorize like and unlike ideas and things. Preschools and coloring and activity books might encourage kids to circle all the things that are red or circle all the things that start with C or match the opposites. This helps us understand patterns, which allows us to finish sequences, which all helps us develop the math and logic part of our brains. Throughout our entire lives, we use this part of our brains to assess risk, to make decisions, to recognize things and situations we've never seen or used before, and to solve problems. Anti-racism is not about discouraging girls from making assumptions or judgments, because we literally need to utilize that part of our brains to survive. Anti-racism is about helping girls make mindful judgments and assumptions in which they are aware of the social implications regarding race and inclusivity. It is about the intentional and mindful ways we are welcoming and inclusive to one another. If we do not address these issues with kids, especially young kids, it is actually the most dangerous way to continue to perpetuate institutionalized racism and inherent biases. In order to do this, we as adults must be mindful, thoughtful, and intentional ourselves when it comes to cultivating an environment that is welcoming and inclusive for kids. I'm certainly not and would never encourage you to share your screen at your next online daisy meeting and have them watch the video of George Floyd's murder and proceed to discuss police brutality against black people. Like, obviously, there is a certain way, a different way to address these topics with different age levels. So what do I suggest then? Okay, let's get to actual actions you can take because this episode is probably already long enough to be a full episode on its own. And so far all we've covered is why it's important and we haven't even gotten to actual examples of how or what you can and should be doing. So let's start with the optics. Consider the diversity present or absent in your troop when it comes to girl members and when it comes to adult volunteers and when it comes to guest speakers that you might have. What factors do you have to control over to encourage and promote diversity in each of these categories? For one, I have mentioned on this podcast in the past that when my troop has guest speakers or when we go out and take tours places or any other kind of event, I make a conscious effort for girls to see women in the different roles. I want my guest speakers to be women. I want the expert on site at an event or tour to be a woman and so on and so forth. Now, let's take this a step further and prioritize not just women in these roles, but specifically, we want to see women of color. No matter how old your girls are, when girls see women of color in as many roles as possible, we're helping to normalize diversity and combat negative biases. To a certain extent, you also have some control over the diversity of your troop leadership. Are the volunteers of your troop homogenous, meaning do they all look the same, or is there diversity present? And do the troop leaders in your group look like the girls in your group? It's important that you have a, a mix of both, that girls see themselves in their mentors and adult leaders, as well as people who are different from them. So let's consider some specific examples. Consider, again, for example, the benefits for a girl of color in a generally white area who has a troop leader who looks like she does. Statistically, her teachers, school administrators, local and federal politicians, and even the president are probably white. Consider the benefits of this particular girl having a woman who looks like she does as one of her troop leaders. Now consider the benefits of a girl who is white having a troop leader who doesn't look like her, who has a completely different life experience than she does due to her race. Consider the benefits for that girl in particular to be close to and to have a trusting relationship with an adult woman of color. 
these relationships that girls have with us as their troop leaders carry on to the rest of their lives, even if they sadly don't stay in touch. We have the opportunity to be a safe haven for them, an adult that's not necessarily their parent or teacher, who they can trust and depend on and learn from, who sees them and loves them, who prioritizes them. What does that say or do for girls as they grow up and maybe go off to college or the workforce or become moms interacting with other moms? So we have a lot of control over the guest speakers and the community members that our troop interacts with, and we can and should make it a priority to ensure that we are exposing girls to as much diversity in that department as possible. In contrast, when it comes to troop leadership, I say we have some control because obviously we all know that's a little bit of dentistry, which is to say it can be like pulling teeth to get people to volunteer with our troop, especially in leader roles. Obviously, you're somewhat dependent, though, on who agrees to step up and actually volunteer. So what can you do then to promote diversity in your troop leadership? Well, for starters, ask. Ask your friends of color to join you leading girls in your Girl Scout troop, whether they have daughters to join the troop or not. If you're new to this podcast, I'm a big advocate for having troop leaders who don't have any girls in the troop, because I think having a leader who isn't your parent or your friend's parent really goes a long way for girls. But of course, that's not to say, of course, that there's anything wrong with parent volunteers. Naturally, your friends with daughters should join the troop, but even your friends and coworkers and so on without school-aged daughters can join your troop too. If your friends aren't necessarily interested, or if they're too busy, or if you don't have a diverse friend group to ask, you can join community groups for your neighborhood or your city on Facebook, or maybe you can ask on the Nextdoor app or other volunteer finder apps and websites. You can blatantly ask, especially right now, for women of color who might be interested in volunteering with your Girl Scout troop. That's okay and allowed. It's okay to say publicly that you want to promote and encourage diversity and create a welcoming and inclusive space for your Girl Scout troop and are seeking other women, specifically women of color, who would be interested in working with girls of whatever age group you have. You can share that Girl Scouts is about developing girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. And if your troop is already existing and thriving, you can describe some of the cool activities, badge work, and field trips that you've taken to try to entice other adults who might be the right fit for such a volunteer role. Of course, you're going to want to mention the time commitment that you're asking for and what days of the week you need other volunteers to be available. Maybe you're looking for specific roles, not just general leaders or level leaders. And you can ask specifically for people who are good with money to handle troop finances and to promote financial literacy. You can ask specifically for people who are good at things like managing inventory and are super organized and detail oriented to handle the paperwork and or to help out with cookie season and so on and so forth. You can also tap into communities you're already part of. Tap into your local university alumni association or your sorority alumni or your faith community. You could seek out sub-communities within your community. So maybe reach out to the current Greek system at a local university, even if you didn't go there or you weren't in a sorority. Inquire if there are college students who need community service hours who would be interested in helping out with your troop. There are sororities and colleges that are historically black or multicultural, so reaching out to those communities specifically and asking for help is totally okay. If you're feeling uncomfortable at the idea of that, or if you have a sense that saying it outright that you need people of color to help expand the diversity of your troop, 
That is the exact racial discomfort that by continuing to stay silent or to discourage girls from talking about these subjects in Girl Scouts, we perpetuate for the next generation when we're not actively working to create anti-racist space. Okay, what about the diversity of your actual troop membership? I mentioned earlier a couple of challenge questions because somewhat this depends on the diversity of your neighborhood. So if you live in a diverse neighborhood, but your troop is pretty homogenous, meaning it does not reflect the diversity of the area in which you live, then ask yourself why that may be the situation and maybe work with your council on recruitment efforts that would appeal and be inclusive and welcoming and accessible to all girls in your area, regardless of race. If you live in a pretty homogenous area, meaning there's not a lot of diversity present, then you're going to have a harder time getting diverse girl members because you would have to get girls to join your troop from other areas. So then maybe ask yourself and do a little research on where the more diverse areas are. If there's a neighboring community that is a little more diverse than the school district or neighborhood you currently serve, maybe you could look into or work with council to find out whether there's a lot of Girl Scouting um, already being offered in that community. If there's opportunity for girls in that area to join, and let me just kind of give you some insight that generally Girl Scouts considers girl opportunity in an area to be about 12 to 15 percent of all girls K to 12 in a designated area. So if that area is currently underserved, it would mean that less than 12 to 15 percent of girls in that area are currently registered as girl members. And there are maybe no or very few troops available in that area to accept new members. So by that definition, if the area is underserved, then maybe you could consider if there's a better place for your troop to meet or if the meeting location you already use might be accessible for girls in that community. And how can you get involved in recruitment efforts to better serve that community? This is true for all diversity, not just for black girls, although, of course, currently most of the international conversation is specifically about institutionalized and systemic racism against black people. I just want to be clear that we can create an inclusive and actively anti-racist environment for all girls, and you just need to dig in a little to understand the demographics of the diversity in the area in which you live. I'm in Arizona, and my troop is based in a suburb called Scottsdale, which is generally pretty homogenous compared to most of our council. And to be more specific, Scottsdale has a reputation for being statistically pretty white and relatively affluent. Not all the girls in my troop are white and not all of them are affluent, but in general, they are a pretty homogenous white group in a pretty homogenous white neighborhood and attend a pretty homogenous white school. However, literally five minutes from our meeting location is the Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian Reservation and not one girl currently registered in my troop lives on that reservation. So that's a big area of opportunity for me to do better. In my council, reservations are often underserved, and I'm specifically referring to Girl Scout programming, of course, but it's true in a lot of respects. Anyway, my council puts a lot of emphasis on developing accessible Girl Scout programming and recruiting efforts for girls who live on reservations. I'm personally working on an initiative in another nearby reservation community, maybe to help get a troop started there, because currently there are zero troops serving that community. But the existing and thriving troop that I'm already part of could and should do more to try to serve the neighborhood literally five minutes away that is also underserved and underrepresented. Maybe you're in a pretty rural area and there isn't a neighboring community that could realistically commute girls to your troop meetings and events. If your area is pretty isolated and also homogenous, Take responsibility to learn more about why your area is not diverse naturally. 
explore the history, tax codes, education systems, and other institutionalized way your area has maintained a level of segregation. And your girls can learn about this too. Further, examine your and your girls' perceptions of the differences between their community and any other communities in your state or region that are notoriously significantly more diverse than your community. Or let's say you have a troop in a notoriously white area and there's another area in your city or state that is notoriously black or notoriously Asian or notoriously Hispanic and so on. Examine your and your girls' perceptions of what those communities are like Make trips to support businesses in those communities and to spend time in those other communities so that girls can, first of all, learn about other cultures and interact with other people, but also so they can develop a level of confidence around entering spaces where they may not be the racial majority, if that's what they're accustomed to being in their daily lives. Also, if there's an opportunity for you to get involved with making sure there are efforts and dialogue about how Girl Scouts is making program accessible in communities that are notoriously underserved and underrepresented, especially if they are predominantly minority neighborhoods or neighborhoods that have remained unofficially segregated, I encourage you to get involved. <laughs> you may or may not be able to, depending on the location and the distance from your personal home, actively participate within those communities for recruitment and training efforts, but at the very least, you can help your council do the work to reach out to schools, places of worship, and other faith communities, and other youth services to bring Girl Scouts to girls in those areas. If you're having these conversations with girls in your troop, finding out what the demographics are across their communities or across their state or region, and then finding out whether all areas in their communities or state or region are equally served by Girl Scouts, Perhaps the girls themselves will feel inspired to help start troops in underserved areas that may be disproportionately non-white. If there are relatively homogenous troops in areas that are predominantly made up of people of color, maybe your homogenous white troop, for example, can do badge work together, earn a journey and or plan and carry out a take action project together, plan a camping trip or another field trip or event together and so on with girls that are predominantly black troops or predominantly um, a troop of any other racial designation. So that gives girls the opportunity to be exposed to diverse girl membership in another way, even if their troops aren't necessarily like located close enough together or the girls aren't located close enough together that they can regularly meet as part of the same troop. I want to be clear that I'm not saying these things, obviously, to promote segregated troops, because <laughs> obviously in an ideal world, we'd have diverse, integrated girl membership in every troop. But I think that it's important to acknowledge that <laughs> those listening to my podcast may have a predominantly white troop because statistically, Many Girl Scout troops are predominantly white, and Girl Scout troops in general tend to be most prominent in predominantly white communities. Of course, I believe Girl Scouts is important and, frankly, critical for all girls. And I have spoken in previous podcasts about the particular importance of Girl Scouting for girls of color to have access to programming that provides the outcomes that we work toward with Girl Scouts. I'm going to link to my episode about the state of girls research from GSRI in the show notes in case you haven't heard it or if you just want a refresher because it's pretty relevant right now. Okay, related to the general idea of optics, what media is your troop consuming together? 
Do you have movie nights? Do you watch movies at overnights? Do you read together either like book club style or does a leader read out loud to your group? My girls, even those who are now as old as seventh grade, (laughs) weirdly love when we read out loud to them at troop meetings. They also love book club style opportunities and many of them belong to book clubs for kids outside of Girl Scouts. Encouraging reading, whether that's consuming books together or encouraging them to consume books on their own time, is a great opportunity to consider diversity. Statistically, children's books are extremely monocultural, meaning that they mostly feature white characters. 50% of characters in children's books are depicted as white. 27% are animals or non-humans, which, by the way, is how all of the Daisy Petal programming would be categorized. That's 77% of all children's books. The characters are either white or they're not human. (laughs) That leaves only, let's see, 13, 23. That leaves, (laughs) I'm good at math. That leaves only 23% of characters to be Black or Asian or Pacific Islander or Latinx, Latinx, Latinx. I'm not really sure what the proper way is to say that. That's my bad, guys and um, Native American. Less than 1% of characters in children's books are Native American, guys. That's crazy. When we consider movies, 2018 was a record-breaking year for movies made by Black directors, but it still was only 16% of the top-grossing movies for that year were directed by Black directors. Think about that. That is the record. Statistically, there are very few characters portrayed by actors of color compared to characters portrayed by white actors and those of those characters those who are of color have fewer on-screen lines than their white counterparts there's an even bigger gap when we consider gender too as an additional layer women of color and even more specifically black women are the least represented and least recognized and awarded demographic in pretty much any category you can think of So as Girl Scout leaders, we can be intentional in giving girls the opportunity to consume diversity in media. We can suggest and introduce books written by Black authors, especially Black women, with Black protagonists, especially Black girls. We can choose to show films by Black directors, especially Black women, starring Black actors and actresses, especially if the film features a female Black protagonist. We can also have conversations with girls to help raise their awareness about the diversity or lack thereof in the media they're already consuming. Ask them to count how many characters in a book or movie are specified as white compared to specified as a person of color, and especially black. Ask them to count on-screen lines during movies for characters of color compared to white characters and especially black characters. Whenever discussing the gender gaps or gender roles that are already written into Girl Scout programming, especially in junior and cadet journeys, because I know there's major emphasis on that subject matter at both of those levels in particular, do not neglect to also address race. Again, if we pretend it's not a factor, we're not helping. (laughs) We're actually encouraging the subject matter to be taboo, and we're perpetuating the idea that to talk about race makes you racist, which actually encourage and facilitates that sneaky, silent institutional racism to continue and to even spread. I saw a great post going around on social media. It said, if we can't see color, we can't see patterns. So just like we teach students at all levels, from 
before elementary school all the way through graduate school to study and recognize patterns, don't let race be an exception. Kids of all ages need a level of awareness. You don't have to tell them it's wrong that Black women and girls are underrepresented. Let them be the citizen scientists collecting data and recognizing patterns on their own. Let them tell you what patterns they notice, why they think those patterns are there, and if the patterns are damaging. And let them brainstorm what they might be able to do to disrupt damaging patterns. This is how all Girl Scout program is structured. Racism is no exception. I've recommended in the past and been a big advocate for the badge work from this year's World Thinking Day program and the Global Action program. The 2020 World Thinking Day theme is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the Global Action theme this year is gender equality. If you've already done the activities, cool. But if you haven't, did you know you can do them at any time? Even next year, they usually keep the previous year's badge activities available online. So like right now, you can also access 2019's theme and activities. So if you haven't done the 2020 activities yet, I do recommend doing them. However, I would like to add the caveat that in my opinion, this bad work does provide a lot of opportunity to skate over the icky stuff of racism. The GSUSA badge work around World Thinking Day and Global Action from 2020 includes many options that are basic and safe, still addressing the issues of equity versus equality, gaps that different people experience, and so on, privilege, all of those kind of concepts that are super important, but you are able to complete all of these activities while avoiding saying any of the words or diving into any of the topics directly about race, blackness, whiteness, and so on. There are also opportunities in the badge work for leaders to use their discretion to go as in-depth on bringing race directly into the conversation as possible. So my recommendation, if you haven't already done these activities, is do not be shy when it comes to discussions directly about race. Again, when we avoid certain words like black or white, for example, and certain topics like the ways racial segregation and divide show up in our communities, schools, neighborhoods, and troops, we teach girls that these subjects are taboo and inappropriate. Our girls are sponges and are taking cues from us all the time. So let's make sure we take as many opportunities as possible to send them good, constructive, anti-racist cues to follow. Okay, there's definitely so much more to say on this subject, but for now, I'm gonna call it. I think that the subject matter for many of us is best consumed in bite-sized pieces so that we have time to truly taste them and digest them. Hopefully this is a good start for you to help you think about your own troop and how you're showing up for your girls and how you're showing up for your community as an anti-racist Girl Scout, as a self-prescribed go-getter, innovator, risk-taker, and leader. I'll definitely be sharing more resources and activities that you can use as either a Girl Scout staff member or a volunteer. If you have questions or concerns and you want to voice them, please feel free to shoot me a message to speak to me directly. If you're still hesitant on the reasons why this is relevant for Girl Scouting and if it is really appropriate or necessary for you to do anything differently or to address these issues with your troop, please reach out. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. Also, if you have suggestions or resources that you want to share or if you're doing something with your troop to help create an anti-racist atmosphere, please reach out and share. <laughs> And if you want to come on in an interview style episode and share some strategies and best practices, especially if you are a woman of color and extra, especially if you are a black woman, I would love to feature your thoughts in an episode. You can contact me at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Facebook. 
You can go to facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast and either message the page or join the Facebook group where you will see my personal profile because I post in there as myself from time to time. I also want to take a moment to remind you about my blog site, which is buildinggirlsofcourage.com. If you visit there, you'll see show notes for episodes as well as downloadable resources. And now there's even a shop link. There's not a whole lot on the shop yet, but I'll continue to add resources for you as often as I can. If there's a specific type of resource you're you're especially looking for that you wish existed, that you haven't found one that works for you or something, please let me know because I want to offer whatever's going to be most helpful for you in order to best equip you to serve girls. Okay, I guess that's all I've got for now. Talk to you guys soon.